This is episode 94 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. There are parameters that the courts have, have outlined that relate to the kind of information that can be requested of new immigrant students that are coming to school districts, requesting information regarding their legal status or the legal status of their parents. That is prohibited under Dolby Plyler. Immigration is a very complex issue, and establishing the legal status of either an individual student or a parent in this country, sure. frankly, is a judgment that can only be made by an immigration judge. Well, let me say good afternoon and hello to everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us at the um, IDRA podcast series. Uh, I'm Bradley Scott, and I'll be talking today to Dr. Albert Cortez, who is the Director of Policy here at IDRA. We're going to be looking at a very important and I think very timely issue, and that is immigrant students' rights to attend public schools. Albert, I want to thank you for being with us today and taking time out of a very hectic day I know you have to talk about this very important issue, and we are right at that time when we need to be talking about this issue as public schools have already opened up in the South, but are beginning and will be opening up as of next week around the nation. So thank you for uh, being with us this afternoon to talk about Plyler versus Doe, a Supreme Court decision that was handed down some time ago that talks about immigrant students' rights to attend public schools. I think I want to um, ask you to give us a very brief background of this uh, Supreme Court decision. So let me say hello to you, Albert, and you know what your first task will be for us. Sure. Thank you, Bradley. Uh, uh, getting to the issue of, of Plyler versus Doe, that was a, as you noted, a Supreme Court decision handed down uh, back in 1981 having to do with the legal rights that uh, immigrant students had, whether documented or undocumented. Uh, to attend uh, public schools in the United States. It originated from an action taken in Texas that essentially denied access to undocumented immigrant children uh, to Texas public schools. It was taken to to court here in the state uh, in in multiple settings, eventually consolidated as one case that went before the Supreme Court. And in 1981, the Supreme Court ruled that you know, given the implications, the impact of the denial of access to education for immigrant children, that the rights of those children essentially superseded whatever concerns states might have had about providing free public education to those uh, children. And the Supreme Court essentially ruled that every state in the country needed to provide tuition-free access to every child in in this country, regardless of their immigrant status. And that is elementary through secondary? That is elementary through secondary, pre-K, all the way through 12. So I know that the uh, U.S. Department of Education came out with a Dear Colleague letter about this issue and reminding folks about Plyler uh, versus Doe. Why is that even necessary now? This was in 1981. We are in 2011. 
how is it that we're still having to remind people of this? People do know, for instance, that there's a Civil Rights Act of 1964. They know that there is a education amendment called Title IX. How is it that people don't know about I, this I decision? In, in, in some cases, I, I think it's, it's caught up you know, in, in this uh, context of hypersensitivity you know, to immigration you know, issues in this country. And frankly, having school officials forget that when it comes to immigrant children, that they occupy a very different legal status when it comes to the area of education. And school officials, I guess, as other public officials, sometimes uh, either don't know, forget, uh, keep in mind, the, as you noted, the decision came down in 1981. Since that time, we've had a whole new generation well, I guess you're right. I guess you're new right. administrators coming in that frankly are uninformed of the legal rights of immigrant children you know, to be provided uh, access to public schools regardless of their status. And we were actually glad to see the, the department put out that, that reminder you know, to bring everyone kind of back up to speed and on the same page, reminding schools throughout this country that Plyler v. Doe is still the law of the land. It still applies universally to students enrolled in public schools and reminding them that they had a legal obligation to provide that access to students. So annually, uh, we put in our own IDRA newsletter this an announcement, a reminder about uh, Plyler versus Doe, and I'm sure our readers can go online and um, see that in our current issue of the uh, newsletter. But uh, more important than that is a, a a matter that comes up with me as the director of one of our nation's ten equity assistance centers, and it's what goes on in various states in our local region every year about this time, and the kinds of questions people, uh, school officials raise to parents and students about their citizenship status, about their social security numbers, about uh, where they live in a community, what proof and evidence they have that they live there, and that they legitimately belong, uh, not only in that community, but in this nation. How far can a district go? There are parameters that the courts have, have outlined that relate to the kind of information that can be requested of, of you know, new immigrant students that, that are coming to school districts. And certainly there are restrictions related to whether you can you know, request Social Security numbers for, for students that, that may not have that kind of information. And that is available. illegal. And it's a legal issue, and they've even... Uh, provided mechanisms pointing out to districts that they can, if they need some kind of student identifier, create alternative student identifiers mm, sure. that will facilitate whatever information uh, they need in order to, you know, to, to keep track of, of students. As, as far as requesting information regarding their, their legal status or the legal status of their parents, that is prohibited under Dovey Plyler. It's been recognized as, as having what they call a chilling effect, mm -hmm. which discourages both the student and the family from even approaching enrolling in a public school and is, is actively, you know, uh, discouraged to a large part because it is recognized that immigration is a very complex issue 
and establishing the legal status of either an individual student or a parent in this country, sure. frankly, is a judgment that can only be made by an immigration judge. And school officials certainly are not in the business of, of determining those statuses and frankly shouldn't attempt to develop that kind of expertise when, from what we know, it takes years to develop the kind of, of legal basis that is required to make those calls. So what, what schools really are encouraged to do is to, the, the one provision they, they legitimately can ask about is whether or not the student resides in the district. Actually lives in that district. Lives in the district, mm -hmm. which, you know, understandably the, the school districts are required to provide education to children residing in that school system. But other than establishing residence. that residence, everything else, I think, is, is something that needs to be approached very carefully. And frankly, what, what some states have discovered is if they start talking about requiring any kind of specialized supplemental documentation mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. immigrant kids, courts have suggested that if you're going to do that with immigrant children, you have to do that with every child. That's almost a 14th state. Amendment issue there, exactly. of equal protection, is it not? Exactly. Absolutely. So um, believe it or not, Albert, I have uh, been approached by school people who seem to feel that they have to take on some of the roles of U.S. Immigration Customs Enforcement, ICE agents, and help them out in terms of their work. Now, you did just say that um, they should not see themselves as, as um, agents of ICE or any of those governmental entities that deal with immigrant issues. And, and is it, that correct? And, and that, that is correct because, again, you know, as, as we mo noted, separating education of immigrant students from these larger ongoing debates about immigration in this country right. and what is appropriate or inappropriate, what policy actions need to be taken, that is a, a separate, you know, policy uh, area that, that obviously is very much in, in the forefront in terms of, of policy, of public discussion. But when it comes to children, the role of schools has been very clearly outlined as your role is to accept these children, provide appropriate instruction as, as may be required, you know, in terms of adaptation of instruction. Uh, that's one of the things that, that relates to the intersection between the Lavi-Nichols requirements that mean that you don't provide the same kind of instruction to uh, children that are limited English proficient mm -hmm. as you do to every other child. So you, you, it does require that you consider the educational needs of those students. And provide appropriate and, education. And provide appropriate education and leave the immigration issues, enforcement, oversight, whatever, set those issues aside and let those other governmental bodies that are responsible for dealing with those issues outside of education of immigrant children, mm -hmm. you know, to those other, to those other. I really bodies. appreciate your clarity on that and um, the simple way in which you just stated that. I think that that is the message uh, we school people need to keep in mind, that we are in the business of educating all the kids who come to us and other official entities are responsible for other issues exactly. over which we have no uh, control or should have no uh, concern in terms of what we present to students in our schools and classrooms. I know our time is running 
uh, low, but, uh, and maybe I shouldn't ask you this question, but I'm just curious uh, in these closing minutes. There are people who think, well, we're educating immigrant children. That is costing us money that we could be using on our quote-unquote own kids. What would be your reaction to that kind of a statement or that kind of thought? I think as, as the courts have, have, have noted when we, when we have similar discussions, ultimately all children are schools or our children. And, Good and point. It's, it's Thank all you. our children. And we also have to remember that there is a misconception that somewhere or other we're educating children and providing benefits that this country will not reap benefits over the long term from. The research has shown that the overwhelming majority of immigrant children that are educated in this country, stay in this country, good number, the majority eventually become citizens, contributors, citizens, you know, to this country. And for us not to recognize that making that investment in, in having well-educated, you know, individuals Absolutely. that are going mm -hmm. to contribute to, to the community, not only in terms of as, as good workers, but, but as taxpayers, as responsible as, as citizens, responsible citizens. Yeah, uh, and if anything, we've seen that sometimes immigrant you know communities have this very strong commitment to to the country, to the values of this country. They value what this country offers as possibilities and opportunities mm -hmm. in ways that we should appreciate and really uh, benefit from. So, so if we look at at the issue as an investment that will have tremendous returns mm -hmm. over the lifetime of those individuals. I think it is more realistically what we, we've seen uh, result from this. And, and the courts, you know, weighed all these issues very carefully and concluded that when they weighed the costs versus the benefits, the benefits of including and providing access to education, quality schools for these kids far outweighed whatever you know, the, the initial investment was. Exactly. That's excellent, Albert. Listen, our time has absolutely run out, but I cannot thank you enough for this very clear, very straightforward, focused way. You've talked about this very powerful piece of litigation called Plyler uh, versus Doe. It really has powerful implications uh, for protecting the civil rights of, of kids, all kids in our public schools, uh, not just immigrant kids. There are homeless kids, etc. And so I thank you for uh, your being with us. Thank you for this explanation. And I know it's a topic we'll need to revisit at a point in the future. I do want to thank our listeners for being with us uh, during this podcast and hope that we see you next time. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.